glad that all of you are here. If this is your first time, and especially welcome to you, and if it's not, I'm still glad you're here. Very glad you're here. The Gathering is a place where we um, get to connect with other women and get to connect with God. And this year, the theme that we've been kind of running through um, month by month is um, our God languages. And it's based from a book called What's Your God Language, um, written by Myra Perrine. I think that's how you say your last name. Um, And the idea and the premise of the book and the idea and the premise of what we're doing this year at the gathering is to give everybody an opportunity to see and interact with the different God languages. God is so amazing and so creative that not one of us is the same. And it reigns true in the way that we experience him and the way that we feel him. So for me, this particular God language of aesthetic is very hard. Because I know you're shocked, but I don't do silence very well. (laughs) I know, shocker. Um, Also, solitude is not my favorite. So... This is a stretch for me. So if there are any of you out there that would consider yourself the outgoing, extroverted, loves to be with people kind of all the time, um, this is going to be a little bit uncomfortable. And I invite you to try it. Because God wants to meet you. He really does. And he wants to meet you right where you are. Last night, I showed up in my sweaty workout clothes that I had worn since that morning. And I was seriously, for I don't know if anybody was here last night too, but it was not cute. Like, just icky. And I said, well, if anybody's had a day like mine and you look like this, welcome. I'm glad you're here. And if any of you are wearing grown-up clothes, congratulations. So I got a shower this morning and I have on grown-up clothes and... What I love is that no matter where we're at, he wants to meet us there. So if you cried yourself to sleep last night because you're in a really hard spot and there's a lot going on, he wants to meet you right there. If you were maybe screaming at small children on the way here, trying to get here because you just can't wait to take your kids to little hearts and have adult interaction and conversation, and then Kara says, silence and solitude today, and you want to scream, that's okay, God's going to meet you right there. He's going to meet you right there. I have a few announcements. The first one is Recognizing God's Voice Seminar is February 5th and 6th. So that's the first weekend of next month. And Laura Scher, who who is our pastor of spiritual formation, um, goes over exactly exactly what we're doing this year in the gathering. But you get to experience Friday night and Saturday morning and touch on all of the God languages. And she teaches, and it's interactive, and you're at a table, and then you get some little assignments. It's amazing. So if you're interested in that, you can go on our website and email, um, go on our website and sign up, or you can email Sarah Burtz, um, sburtz at salemalliance.org, and sign up that way. It's amazing. I actually did it with my gathering team about a year ago. And it was one of the driving forces for us to do this as a series this year. The other announcement that I have, I'm going to let the media uh, do. So we've got a video for you to watch real quick here.
maybe you're sitting here, I don't know, and you're thinking, I'm tired, I'm injured, I'm sick, I've been disqualified. I get it. But guess what? You can't run your race, walk. You can't walk, crawl. You can't crawl, drag yourself to the finish line because as long as you have a beat in your chest, you are not done. Make us strong and courageous to lay down every dead thing we are still holding on to, to dismount from our dead horses, to stop holding on to the past so we can step into what you're holding out to us right now. But whatever your situation is, your Redeemer lives. And we think that the measure of our faith is, determines what God will do through us. We think that the measure of our faith is the story. We think Jesus is recommending a small faith, but he's saying it doesn't matter what size your faith is. It isn't in the measure of your faith. It is in the measure of our immeasurable God. So that is a video explaining if gathering, not to be confused with our gathering, if um, gathering is actually international over the whole nation, and it's an opportunity to connect with other women and connect with God, really, same, same heart and same premise that we have. Um, the speakers are phenomenal, incredible, amazing, and if no matter what age you are, you are welcome and you are wanted to be there. So there are some flyers in the back and Jennifer Wilson, yay, right? Is it Wilson last name? Did I get that right? Yes. Um, so Jennifer, if you have any questions, Jennifer will be able to answer them, hopefully, and if not, she will direct you. But there's also some flyers in the back at the like welcome table where you came in at, if that interests you or resonates with you. Um, if you did the Summer Women's Bible Study, how many of you guys did that one? Yeah, that was pretty awesome. Angie Smith, right? She's one of the speakers for this next uh, If Gathering that's coming up. So to keep that in mind. Another announcement is Hearts at Home books. Whoop, whoop, Hearts at Home. Uh, back there by Debbie Jameson, right? And Lori DeBaker's back there too. So if you need your Hearts at Home book, you can head on back there and snag that. Also, you might notice that the food table, thank you, Hearts Ladies, for bringing that food this morning, is pretty simple. That was actually planned. There's also little plastic baggies over there because today's snack is made for walking, and you will understand that later. But if you got it on a plate and you're eating it now, that's great. Um, otherwise, you can also get some in a little baggie to go with you later because we're going to have some silence and solitude. It's going to be awesome. Before we do that, though, before we get to the silence and solitude part, I want to give you guys an opportunity to chat. So what I would love for you to chat with your neighbor who you're next to or around a table or if anybody, I mean, I'm telling you, last night, these spots were kind of packed. Like we had like six people on the floor over here in the little chairs and beanbags. So get comfortable, enjoy your space, chat with your friends about the idea of silence and solitude. Does it scare you? Does it freak you out? Do you love it? Is it your favorite? Um, introduce yourself if you don't know the people that are around you. And here at the gathering, we definitely value that for some people, it takes a lot of courage to talk. I can't relate. I don't know what that's like. <laughs> 
But I know for some people that um, that can be kind of overwhelming and feel very awkward. And, and so we just want to give you a path. So if you're like, I'm not saying anything, I can't wait for silence and solitude, that's totally okay. You can pass. But talk amongst yourselves. I'm going to give you guys about five minutes to chit-chat about silence and solitude. Okay, so how many of you, when you think of silence and solitude and simplicity, think of a monk? Raise your hand. I totally think of a monk. I just had a friend tell me a story yesterday when she went up to the grotto in Portland, which is amazing and beautiful, that she was talking to the person she was with and said, I can't imagine just being quiet and silent and all the time and just being quiet and silent. And a monk walked by and was like, good morning, how are you? I thought that was so funny. Cracked me up. Okay, so for me personally, um, the idea of being alone is scary and it's overwhelming. What about you guys? What were some of the things that you discussed uh, with your groups that you were chatting with about how you feel about this whole idea or what it makes? Do you relate? Do you not? Anybody want to shout it out? Yeah, Jana. So Jana was explaining that for her, part of it is season of life. So having little people that are chatting nonstop, she actually craves that silence now more than she did before. So when she gets in the car, it's quiet, and she just enjoys the silence when she gets in the car without her kids. (laughs) You can't be in the car with kids and have silence. That's so funny. (laughs) So... For her, this stage of life is a lot of silence and solitude. So when she gets opportunities to interact and be with people, she wants to. And she really likes it. I can relate to that. Um, Anybody else have something that... I love that word that you... Is it Julissa? Julissa? That she used the word daunting. Because silence is unknown. So she continues the dialogue. It's a lot easier than just leaving it to be... Silent. That word daunting is really, that's a really good word to describe it. Is there anybody, oh, Jackie, such a good mama. Um, Is there anybody who loves it that would like to share a little bit about that? So for her, she said that um, when she was a kid, being alone was very safe. And so when she gets alone time, she feels very safe. That's really, that's another good word, I think. Um, At this point, I would love to hear from a couple other people who this is one of their main God languages. So if Bonnie and Volanda would go ahead and make their way up, that would be awesome. And they're going to start by introducing themselves and sharing a little bit about themselves. What do you want us to share? I'm Volanda. um, And I am married to my husband, Matt, and have two kids. Um, I've been here at Salem Alliance Church for a little over five years now, and um, yeah, I don't know what else you want to know, but here's Bonnie. (laughs) Um, I'm Bonnie, and um, I just got married a little over two months ago to my, yeah, I'm excited about it, Um, wonderful (laughs) husband, Brian, and um, I've been at Salem Alliance for a a little, about five and a half years myself, actually. Kind of funny timeline. I didn't realize it was the same. Um, and I don't have any kids, obviously. And I um, have work for Family Building Blocks. I'm literally across the street from here. 
Um, so I get to support a home visiting program called Healthy Families. Okay, so now we would love for you guys to share a little bit about this God language, um, the idea of solitude, simplicity. T tell us how you, how that works for you. So um, for me, solitude and silence wasn't something that I always knew I needed. Um, in fact, I was remembering a time when I was just out of high school, when I was um, on a mission trip, and one of the things we were supposed to do was a 24-hour silent retreat where we go off by ourselves. we were on a lake, we had space to walk around the lake. 24 hours, we weren't supposed to talk to anybody. Um, and that was really, really rough, really rough. Um, it wasn't until I was a little bit older um, that I started to realize that even though it's not comfortable, probably partially because of our culture, um, I really needed it. And so for me, silence looks like um, it, it can be anything from a short half hour where I might just go and sit down and um, just ask the Lord to speak to me. And usually for me, silence and solitude has to do with listening to the Lord. Um, very seldom does it have to do with just being silent for the sake of being silent. Um, or it could be any, you know, a few hours. Um, I love to go up to the prayer room, the upper room across the street there, and just um, have some time to spend just being quiet and listening to what the Holy Spirit might want to say to me. There's a lot of parallels here. And for me, it's also very much about that time with the Lord is just... Um, it's where I hear from God most clearly. It's where I feel most close to God. Um, and it's been a journey for me very similarly of um, at times. Um, it's really hard to quiet distractions because when you stop the input that's coming in, whether it's music, noise, TV, Facebook, I don't have Facebook anymore because of this. Um, when you stop the input, you have to face what's already happening inside of you, and you have to face parts of yourself that maybe you're not really wanting to look at, um, and you have to allow God into those things, and it's a beautiful process, and I've experienced that being very freeing, but it's really hard to do, um, especially when you like know that God probably has something he wants to say to you, and you're not sure you want to hear it. Um, <laughs> My experience, though, with it has been, and it's that, like, each time I do it, I experience it, that God is so incredibly gracious and so um, so loving. So even when he has something to say to me that maybe is hard to hear, like, hey, we haven't spoken in a really long time, um, he's not condemning. It's just, hey, I'm really glad to be with you. Um, so it's for me, it's definitely where my cup gets filled, whether it's a short time or um, I love having an entire day, just me and God. Okay, so for you guys, do you feel like this is something that you've known your whole life? Like, oh, this is how I experience him and feel him. Or has there been a discovery process? And if so, share a little bit about that. Because I think for some of us, this does, I love that word daunting. This does seem very daunting. Mm -hmm. um, so as we're coming into this opportunity where we get to maybe try it out, Give us some feedback on that. So I think for me, the discovery that I needed this came as I increasingly began to be involved with ministry things, actually. 
I found out that a lot of people um, can kind of come into a, a setting where they're going to be ministering to people and just in the midst of it, hear the Lord speaking and, and move from that place. But I found out that I felt very uncomfortable with that. And in order to be prepared to go into a situation where I was going to be ministering to other people, I needed to find time alone and um, in, in quiet um, to hear from the Lord and just to settle my spirit and to settle things inside of me that maybe I hadn't faced or dealt with with the Lord. And it was, it is, it was and continues to be extremely important to me to find that time um, alone in order to do that. And so, um, no, I haven't always known that that was what I needed, but it, I've become increasingly aware that I do need that very much. Not just, not just for doing ministry, but even in life, just, you know, if I'm dealing with a, a hard situation with my children or just if I'm feeling unsettled in my spirit, that's my sign that I need to find some time alone to figure out why I'm feeling so unsettled. Um, it has been a discovery process. Um, I think part of the discovery, and Volanda and I were talking about this, is the recognition in myself when I get to be really um, short with people, where I'm, my, I'm impatient and I'm easily frustrated, and things that normally would be really small are a huge deal to me. That's usually an indicator that I haven't had that time with God, and that's part of the discovery is realizing that recharges me. Um, okay, everything's okay. It's kind of the re-recognition of God's with me, um, he's bigger than what I'm facing. I can let him into it. Um, so that's part of it. And the other thing is that it came really came to discovering it when God put me in a season of a lot of solitude. Um, I had a roommate move out, and God challenged me to fast from TV and music and um, Facebook, just basically take a sabbatical from my computer. Um, and when I did that, I was really uncomfortable and even angry with God about it um, because it was really hard to be still. And um, in that process, I, I did have some really beautiful times with God, though, and that was part of the discovery was realizing this actually is really rich. And um, by not putting all this input in, um, I would like put in all, you know, TV, movies, Facebook, whatever, and then go to bed, and then my brain is now having to process the day and I hadn't given any time for that and no margin for that. But then when I took the evening and spent time with God or just cut down the distractions and the noise, I processed my day with him, and I'd get to the end of the day and be in a place where I could just rest and go to sleep. Oh, that was really, really good. I love that idea and concept of because we're so distracted throughout the day, then all of a sudden when we put our head on the pillow, we're we're stuck with everything to process throughout the entire day. That's really good. And Volanda, I love um, talking about the settled, unsettled. Um, yeah, I just appreciate you both sharing. I appreciate you guys being willing to be vulnerable and share that really sacred, deep place um, that you get to experience, God. Thank you both so much. Kara, actually, I have one more thing. She doesn't know I'm going to add this. <laughs> Go for it. Um, I just wanted to acknowledge that um, my season has changed, and with that, I don't have this. 
like I was feeling really convicted last night of not acknowledging to the group that there's something, and it talks about this in, in the What's Your God Language book. There's an inventory of what are your God languages. There's also one of how does your life reflect that you're connecting with God in the ways that you know your soul needs to. And the truth is that I haven't figured out, I'm only a couple, minutes, a couple months into marriage, but I have not figured out how to have this solitude, this very valuable, precious solitude um, in the midst of being married and newlywed and a little bit of, you know, the, what do you call that, honeymoon stage. Um, <laughs> and so I, I'm, just, I'm just wanting to acknowledge that there are times when I'm not feeding my soul in the way that I know that it needs to be fed. Um, and I feel, I don't want to feel fake up here and telling you guys, oh, I know this is how my, my soul needs and the time that I connect with God and it's beautiful. Um, it's not all, it's not easy to get this time. And I recognize a lot of you are in seasons that are even harder to get that time with God. So it's beautiful, but I get that it's not easy to make it happen. Valanda, did you have anything else you wanted to add? I think just to reiterate again that, um, I didn't know that this was what my soul needed until I was a ways into my journey. And so if you go into this time and it feels really uncomfortable for you, just know that that doesn't necessarily mean that this isn't the way your soul would be fed. That just that it, when you're not in the habit of interacting with God this way and being a product of our culture it's going to be uncomfortable whether this is your God language or not. So just know that. And it's a practice that only grows with actually doing it. I think we said this last night, but just that it takes a while to settle in. So give yourself permission to connect with God in this way, however it looks for you. This isn't in a box to say that in your time with God can be um, beautiful solitude where you're journaling or you're just sitting there and doing nothing or you walk around like, I guess I'm just wanting to say that it, it doesn't always look the same. It's okay to not put it into a tight little box and say, well, I guess that doesn't work for me because I can't handle complete silence for eight hours. Oh, me either. Never. <laughs> Never. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Actually, I did. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Um, I did get an opportunity to do 24 hours um, alone a couple, a couple years ago. I haven't done it since. Um, <laughs> But I was reading a book called Sacred Rhythms, and it talked about solitude, and I thought, oh, I should try that out. And literally, I called a friend, hands-free, of course. I was legit. Um, but I called her on the way, and I was crying because I was so nervous, and I was so scared. Honestly, I thought, what am I going to do at the Mount Angel Abbey for 24 hours by myself? Like, I've not been away from my kids that, like that before, or like, if I am away from my kids, it's usually my husband and I trying to sneak in like a two-hour date night and get back before the clock starts for the next hour for the babysitter, or like, you know what I mean? So this whole idea of just 24 hours in a room by myself, I mean, the view's pretty and everything, but it was really overwhelming, and it was really scary, and it was amazing. It was amazing. So I just want to, again, encourage you and invite you. Um, yes, it can be daunting and overwhelming, and yes, it can be beautiful, and it can be sacred, and it can be something so sweet because it's just you and your dad. Good morning. Sorry for the scare. I'm all good. For those of you who don't know why I'm in a boot, uh, I had a surgeon repair some damage from previous injuries so that I would have more stability. 
Uh, my ankle had been sprained too many times, and so it would roll out on me at inopportune times. So like when I was walking out of my office one day, all of a sudden I'm on the floor, and everybody there thinks I've had a seizure, and really it's just my ankle. So uh, that happened three times in three different places between last November and last July, and so in December I had him reconstruct some ligaments in my ankle. So people are like, oh no, what'd you do? And I'm like, no, it is such a good thing because I think I won't be falling anymore in random places around random strangers. So, pretty excited about that. Glad to be with you this morning. I was not here right at the beginning because I was checking in kids, so if I repeat something that's already been said, just chalk it up to she wasn't here, she was checking in kids. What we're gonna do is I'm gonna take 10 or 15 minutes and just talk through some of the other aspects and characteristics of this God language and then we're gonna give you some time to actually have some quiet this morning. Some of you might go, oh shoot, and some of you might go, oh yes. So just so you know, that's coming. Um, yeah, so Kara, did you already say about two different kinds of ascetic? Is she gone? Okay. Yes, no, maybe so? She didn't say, my explanation is good, thank you. Volanda was here last night, she knows what I'm about to say. So I was really confused about this God language for a long time because I had already grown up hearing the word aesthetic as the person who really cares about the ambiance and what the senses feel when they come into the room. So, so you wanna set up something welcoming and warm and that's your aesthetics, right? This is a different word. That one is spelled A-E-S-T-H something else. This one is actually A-S-C something else. See, spelling helps, right? Two different words. So this one is ascetic, and I kind of wish there was a different word for this one because it's like when you have a word that's not in your everyday vocabulary, it's hard to remember or think through, what does that mean? And essentially, in this idea of loving God through solitude and simplicity, you've got somebody who potentially, and obviously, like any language, there are dialects. So not everybody who connects to God this way connects the same way, but oftentimes these are folks who are overwhelmed with sensory input. The sensory input is overwhelming, and I find it so funny that last month in December we were talking about the sensate who loves God and connects with God through their senses, their sight, smell, taste, touch, and the fifth one I often forget. When they sense that in creation, that is one of the ways that they sense God as their father and their creator. And in this one, we've got people who really appreciate when there is less sensory input because for them, words can become the problem. Noise can become the problem. Distractions can become the problem. And, and their soul feels more centered and anchored in God when there aren't distractions. So um, I just feel like Bonnie and Volanda did a great job of unpacking the silence and kind of quiet space with that, that piece of the characteristic of ascetic. But another piece of it is really simplicity. So simplicity in decoration or simplicity even in their household or I have a list, I should use it because my brain isn't reminding me. So if they're distracted by the senses, so the living conditions, the way they dress, the lifestyle that they choose, you guys probably know people who when they purge their garage or their kitchen or their clothes, it's like hallelujah, it's just get rid of the clutter and get rid of the stuff. And, and there's something in all of us, I think, and that's one of the things about these God languages is it may not be our primary way to connect with God, 
But there is something in all of us that's a reflection of God. And I know that I've found that even though I would not call this a primary way that I connect with God, there is still something freeing when, when the dust settles and everything slows down and I can take a deep breath and my soul, it's almost like my soul fills up with oxygen again. And I'm like, oh, I can breathe. And that's the piece of me that's reflecting this part of God. There's an old story of a... Um, some Westerners who went to an African or an Asian country and they were going to take a trek or an adventure or something. You can tell I know the story really well. But the reality is that they, they hired some of the natives to carry their stuff and go with them. And so over the first few days, they did this trek as Westerners do, you know, up early, push, push, push all day, crash into the bed at night. And they did this for two nights. And on the third day, they got up and they were ready to go. And, and none of the nationals who were, who were helping them um, were up and ready to go. And they're like, no, we're not going. And they're like, well, we've paid you and, we're, and, and you're coming with us. And, we're, and what are you doing? And they said, we have to give our, um, our soul a chance to catch up with our body. We have to give our soul a chance to catch up with our body. And I think for you and I, we fit that description. As American women, no matter what our season of life, we are often so busy that our soul does not have a chance to catch up with what's going on. And so like Belanda and Bonnie shared, sometimes there are things that are trying to give us a hint that something's not quite right, but we fill the space with noise and with activity and with distraction. Have you noticed in our culture that we do not just sit and do nothing? If you go into a doctor's office, what is everybody doing? They're looking at a magazine, they're on their cell phone, but they are not just sitting there watching people and being present in their own skin. And, and I'm the same way. What is it that makes us so uncomfortable with simply being still? I, I had a friend who talked about it. If you have a pond and you're always stirring up the water, then there's always all this silt in the water. And you have to let the, you have to stop stirring up the pond for a while so that the silt can settle and you can see. And for an ascetic, that's the kind of thing that helps them recognize who God is and what he's saying in their life. And it's not just about listening, but it's about this connection. So an ascetic is really focused on the internal life and they will do a lot of work on their inner life and sometimes view words as a burden. There was an ascetic who said, to me, the town is a prison and solitude is paradise. They're distracted by their senses and appreciate that low level of sensory input. They've got that simplicity. The other piece that we don't like to talk about much on this one is that the ascetic person is the person who is not afraid of suffering. As a matter of fact, they will embrace suffering because suffering causes them to feel closer to the suffering of Christ. And so if you know someone who's, who's gone to be a missionary and they've willingly gone to live somewhere where it's not comfortable and you're like, oh, that's just all this self-sacrifice, for some people, it is what makes them sense that they are at the center of being anchored into who Christ was and living as Christ lived. Because if you look at scriptures and you look at how Christ lived, he absolutely reflected this part of the nature of his father. They, they, one of the scriptures talks about how he had no, no place to rest his head. He was essentially homeless. He didn't spend a lot of time building up earthly wealth. He would go away and, and go spend time with his father alone. He would fast, he would pray. These are things that an ascetic does. Some of the other ascetics in the Bible are John the Baptist. Remember the guy who went around in camel hair and ate locusts and honey out in the wilderness? That's an ascetic. <laughs> a 
And yet it doesn't have to look that way. Think of Daniel. Daniel lived in the courts of a king, and yet we read about Daniel fasting and praying and, and entering into simplicity for the sake of pursuing God and hearing what he had to say. Along with suffering and self-denial, an ascetic values hard work. They value that when they enter in and they get their hands dirty, that they really understand those verses that say, whatever I do, do it all to the glory of God. Whatever my work is, whether it is sacred work or secular work, whether it is paid work or unpaid work, whatever I am doing, whether it's working in my garden or working at my job or changing a diaper, whatever I am doing is a high and holy calling because if it is done as unto the Lord, it is something that anchors me into who God is and who he has called me to be. And so these hardworking, pursuing simplicity, enduring hardship people, self-denial, fasting, find that they feel closest to God during these extended times when they are, it's just them and God with no distractions and no other people. I want to throw a couple other thoughts into what's already been said before we send you to have some quiet time on your own. First of all, what's the difference between quiet time and an ascetic? Because we've grown up, for those of us who have grown up in the church, hearing that we should have our devotions, that we should have our quiet time. And usually that meant that we should have a devotional book or the Bible, or a Bible study that we were reading or doing, but we were setting time apart to pursue God. The thing that's different about this is there isn't anything you have to accomplish. It's just being with God in a space that we carve out for him. And if he leads you to open the Bible and read something in the Bible, great. If you have a desire to look up something and, and, and you've been thinking a lot about faith lately and you want to look up something on faith, I, I don't recommend your screen during this time, but the point is spend some time with God with no agenda and expect that he will show up and meet you there. And so it's not, we often want to fill up the time because we don't know what to do with open space that nobody tells us what to do. And so this is different than a Bible study, and it's different than reading a devotional that somebody else wrote. This is, God, what do you have for me today? And you might not hear anything. One of the things Bonnie said last night that she didn't say this morning is, if you, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're thinking, just tell him. God, I hate this idea. Okay, tell him that. God, I love this time, but 15 minutes in, I'm not hearing from you, and I'm angry about that. So tell him that. Like, there's no right or wrong way to do this, and there's no right or wrong way to feel about it. There's just an invitation to spend some time being quiet and see what happens. And I have a friend who calls it gentle noticing. To just notice yourself in this place that you've been invited to and what happens, and not judge it, and not go to shame like, oh my goodness, somebody else can sit here and hear from God, and I don't know how to hear from God. Just be with God in how you feel about it, to gently notice who you are, where you are, and then we're going to come back in here and have about 10 minutes to just process. Don't pass anything out yet. I'm still talking, and then they get distracted when you pass things out. Um, we're going to have about 10 minutes to just debrief, and here's the deal. When you finish the time, some of you might just be so engaged with God that you just want to finish with him. You don't have to come back in here. Some of you might finish the time and go, okay, I'm done. I don't really think I need to process. 
Um, I think I just need to kind of go in this quiet and head home from there. That's fine. If you have kids in childcare, they do need to be picked up at 11 o'clock. Um, and if you want to process with someone, you can end up back in here at 10.50 to do that processing. But before I send you, I have a couple more random thoughts that are just a bonus for you. One of the things that in Christian circles happens around this idea of quiet time or silence is that we wrestle with our distractions. I'm going to put quotes around that, okay? So we want to spend time with God, but our brain doesn't quit. I just need you to know my brain doesn't stop until I'm asleep. It's just me. It doesn't stop. And I used to feel so guilty and feel so much shame that I couldn't carve out quiet time and still the distractions in my mind so that I could be with God. And it was my husband years ago who gave me so much freedom on this because he just said, Jennifer, your distractions are what's going on in your life. So if you want to be with God, why don't you just be with God with what's going on in your life? And talk with God about your distractions. So instead of trying to sit down and go, okay, these are the things I'm distracted by. Let me push them aside so that God can speak with me. Let's just sit in a place of freedom of going, this is where my mind is. God, I want to be present with you in this place. What do you want to say to me about these things that I cannot silence? And so instead of walking away from a time feeling guilty and ashamed because I just couldn't ever be quiet, people especially feel this about prayer. Well, I need to pray about this, this, and this, but I just couldn't get over. So pray your distractions back to God. Pray the things that are on your mind to God. And what I've found personally is that when I will take quiet time and I will first deal with what's in my head, then it begins to be released and I begin to find that I am hearing what was on God's heart, not because I was able to push my distractions aside, but because I gave myself the freedom to bring my distractions to God and to deal with those first. And then I found that I could let them go and he could begin to speak to me about what was on his heart. So don't feel like you need to go and take a deep breath and empty your mind so that Jesus can speak to you. Just be yourself in a quiet time, giving him space for that silt to settle and to just be with him. And you might not hear anything, and that's okay. Your soul still needs the time. For me, I find silence very daunting. I fill it a lot of times with movies and Facebook and books and other things. But when I will settle, I find that it's the only place that I feel safe because I'm not responsible for anything. I get to sit quiet with Jesus and I get to let everything settle and I'm not trying to fix anything, solve anything, be anything. I just am being with God. And sometimes that's all it is. I don't hear anything. I don't say anything. I just sit there with an awareness that I don't have to do anything else right now except for be Jesus's daughter sitting here. And that's so freeing and safe for me because my brain doesn't let me be there very often. My brain thinks that I am responsible to save the world. And when I will just be Jennifer with Jesus, I don't have to be in charge. And that's what silence has given me. Alana's going to come and read a reflection on this ascetic nature of hers, and then we're going to dismiss you to go. Yes. Yeah. Thank you. Yep, yep, yep. Kara is such the gathering girl. She keeps my head on straight. So what we're doing here is there are places around the church where you can just spread out and go. Some of you might want to take a walk outside. 
Some of you, the sanctuary is open, the lights will be on, you could go spread out in the sanctuary. You could stay in here, that's why we've got some blankets and pillows. There's more blankets up here, you can spread out in this room. And also, the upper room across the street is open. So if you haven't been there, across the street in the Broadway building, if you go up the elevators to the fourth floor, turn right and a quick left, you're gonna see the prayer room, the upper room. It's a place set aside for seeking God in silence. And Kara, are the rooms reserved today too? She's gone. Okay, so there are three prayer closets up there, and she reserved those. So if nobody is in those, it's first come, first serve as far as having a prayer closet, which would be a more private space. And then there's the open room with windows all the way around with just a lot of great seating places. If you've never been to the upper room, I would really encourage you to take some of this time and just go up there and see what's up there. And and there's a sweet presence of God in that place. So upper room, sanctuary in here, take a walk. You're going to come back by 10 minutes to 11 or enjoy an extra 10 minutes with God and make sure if you have kids that you pick them up by 11. Valanda. Okay. As we're heading into this little um, reading, I would just like to invite you to put down the paper that you were just handed and close your eyes and just let these words rest over you as an invitation to enter into this type of worship, ascetic worship. It takes time to truly settle in with the Lord. The longer in between, the more buildup of thoughts that have troubled me, sins that I have not faced while present with him, worries that I haven't let go of, confused, jumbled thoughts that have not had time in his presence to settle into place. Friends, music, pretty decorations, these are all distractions, pleasant diversions, keeping me from that place where the real soul work happens, just he and I, that place where I bring to him me. In that place, my soul has been made new made alive. The actualities of my life can cloud my thoughts, distorting my picture of truth. That place of silence and solitude is a place to sit with God and notice the places where my reality and his truth are at odds, disconnected. It is a place to invite God's healing presence to inform, to shed light on, to align my reality with his truth. In this place, I'm leaning towards the truth of my loving God, letting it, letting him reign over my realities, replace my realities, and transform my spirit mind, and actions. Regeneration takes place in the solitude of his presence. What is real in God's kingdom is given room to take its rightful place. Here, in silence and solitude, 
His truth becomes my centering thought, my plumb line. So as you go, these packets are just a tool if you want them. You don't have to use them, but if you'd like some prompts, that's what they're there for. They're not to get through the whole thing, just to kind of have some options. There's pens up here if you did not have a writing utensil with you. The food is um, set to go if you wanted to take some with you, but I am going to ask that as you leave, you leave in silence, and that we honor this next half an hour, 35 minutes as an opportunity for people to be silent with God and not chat with our friends or with others um, as we're going. So have a great time with Jesus. If you are back in here, I'm guessing that means you're open to processing a little bit of what you just experienced. So if you feel comfortable, you are more than welcome to turn with your neighbors or who you're sitting next to. Um, And if you feel comfortable, share a little bit about what it was like. Um, And you can be as honest as you want. We prefer honesty here. Um, So let me rephrase that. You can be as um, vulnerable as you want, or you can also keep some of that sacredness just between you and God. It's totally up to you. But the first question as we kind of process with some people around us would be, what was that experience like for you? This is the next phase of the question time. Is there anybody who would like to share like what it was like or how that felt or I'm never doing that again or I wish we could do that every Thursday morning? Anybody? So for me, this um, uh, love language is like not my, my forte or whatever you want to call it. But I went into it with um, an open mind after hearing them because it, it made me insecure and feel a little freaked out about it because of when I moved to Salem, I didn't have anybody. So it, it the, you know, having that time alone, I, I associate that with not having anybody. And so it's like that, that moment of realizing that this time alone for me would be good. It still was hard, but yet I still felt like God spoke to me through it. So that is so cool. Thank you. What's your name? Lisa. Lisa. Thank you. Thank you, Lisa. Is there anybody else who wants to share a little bit about their adventure with their 30 minutes? Hi, friend. I wasn't supposed to be here today. I was supposed to be in a class. And it was the only time I could take it. And I felt so bad that I was missing this. They called me at 5 o'clock last night and said, my teacher was sick. My classes canceled it. And I got so excited that I got to come to the gathering. (laughs) I cried the whole half hour. Silence is not my thing, but I needed it today. And God met me. And this is a wonderful place. And I thank you for having the gathering. Yep, we got one more back here. I'm coming. Okay, so being a mom has really changed life for me. I used to be able to sit in my house in quiet and turn, you know, my worship music on, which for me tones all the little noises out that get you distracted. So I just put my headphones in and I sat here and... um, I have to do that to get quiet time. So it's not necessarily my strong suit and I don't like doing it, but I know that I need it 
So sometimes I'll have, like, I just have to get out of my house. Because as a mom, you sit there in your house and you're like, oh my gosh, did I switch the laundry? Oh, I need to fold it now and put it away. <laughs> or maybe I should go clean the kitchen. <laughs> or so my brain tells me I should be doing other things because I should be in my brain. <laughs> so getting out of my home and sitting and putting my headphones in and blocking everything else out just with the worship music um, is how I'm able to just have my, my solitude with God, even though it's not quiet necessarily because there is that music in the background. For me, that's what blocks everything else out. And I can't do that at home, so I physically have to go other places to do it, which when you have kids, you're like, oh, I'm gonna do it during nap time. I'm gonna have my solitude time during nap time. And then nap time's over and you're like, oh, I just cleaned my whole house, but I didn't actually like sit, so. Okay, is there anybody else whose heart's beating fast and their palms are kind of sweaty because they feel like they're supposed to do it? I mean, I don't want to force anybody. Do we have a time? I put my phone down. Is it 11 right now? Yeah, it is. Okay. So in, in the whole honoring little hearts and honoring your, everybody's time, um, we do need to wrap up. I just want to say thank you because it does take courage, at least for me, um, to really just sit with God and be alone and be quiet. And I will tell you, I walked somebody over to the upper room who hasn't um, been here before and didn't kind of know where to go. And it was, it was beautiful. There was like a whole group of women in there just being with Jesus. And um, so thanks for letting me be a part of this sacred time. I really appreciate it. I feel humbled and honored. And um, I just want to pray a blessing over you as you go. Heavenly Father, may these women be aware of your presence as they go from this place. May they hear your voice. May they feel you. May they interact with you. May they know they are loved. They are chosen. They are worth loving. They are worth choosing. Thank you so much for this time, God. Amen.